Good morning again. This morning we are going to be carrying on our series in Ephesians. And we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 5, starting at verse 22. And so before, uh, I'm hoping to get through to about 6 verse 9, um, but I'm not going to read that to begin with. But I do want to read Ephesians chapter 5 verses 22 through to 33. So if you have your Bibles, please follow along. If not, uh, just please listen up. I'm reading from the new NIV version. Not the new NIV, the NIV version. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the saviour. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one has ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother and be turned to his wife and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love, sorry, however, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. Let's just pray. Father, I just thank you for the word that's just been read there. Lord, I just pray that as we look at it, as we unpack it, that your word will be embedded into our hearts. Lord Jesus, that only the word that you have for each of us will remain with us. Father, your word which is true, your word which is life, may it bring life today as we look at it and may it be a blessing to all who hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before we, we go in to look at it, it's important that as we get to the end of Ephesians, that we understand where we've been, because I want to say that this there's a verse in what I just read that is one of the mis, most misquoted and taken out of context the most out of any other scripture, and that is, wives, submit to your husbands. Now, as husbands, we all think that's a fantastic verse and we should just quote it in isolation, but it's not written in isolation. And in order for us to ensure that what we look at today is in context, I want to go back and look at um, just a summary of where we've been in Ephesians. I call Ephesians the book that will declare to us our identity. If you look through the book of Ephesians, and as we've studied through it, I hope that what's become clearer to you is your identity in Jesus Christ. Because it declares to you who your very identity is. In Ephesians 1 verse 17, Paul says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. You see, he's saying the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of wisdom and revelation that's been given unto us, has been given to us to point towards Jesus Christ. And then he goes on and he declares, and this is my summary, this is my paraphrase. He says, because as you know Jesus more, you will know your identity in him. As you know Jesus more, you will understand the glorious riches of his inheritance that is found in you. 
As you know Jesus more, you will understand the power that is for you, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. And so in knowing of Jesus, we understand our identity, or as Paul says, the hope of our calling. We understand the glorious inheritance that's found in us, and we understand the power that is for us. And as we continue to go through this, he unpacks our identity and who we are, but it's all prefaced on the understanding of who Jesus is. Because without a good realization and understanding of who Jesus is, you will never understand who he created you to be. Because as we looked at around the communion table, as it says in Ephesians chapter 4, that we have been created in his image, that we have been created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And we can only step into that realization, into that understanding when we know Jesus Christ himself. We can only do that and have our eyes set upon Christ and not upon our sin or the sin of the world through knowing him and being into having an intimate relationship and drawn in him. We can only understand our identity in Jesus Christ as we know him. And I've said before, one of the saddest things for me as I preach and, and not just here but, but elsewhere and as I have over many years is people who've been in church all their lives, but they don't really know him. They've been churchized, if that's a word. They can talk the talk, but they've never been with him. And they don't know him. And it's only in the knowing, in the intimate relationship of Jesus Christ that you are changed and transformed to be like him, to live up to what he has created us to be. Ephesians chapter 4, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Now, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24, we've been created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Ephesians chapter 5, therefore, because of this, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love. Ephesians 5 verse 8, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. All of these give us a clear understanding of our identity. And Paul, as we step into Ephesians chapter 5 verse 22, he's saying, remember your identity. Remember who you've been created to be. Remember who the Father made you to be before the foundation of the world. He saw you in his mind's eye and he loved you so much that he created the entire world that you would be able to live. Because love does not fail. And the minute that he conceived you in his mind's eye, he loved you and he could not walk away from you despite the fact that he knew that you would be lost in sin and be darkness. Despite the fact that he knew that it would cost Jesus Christ his life to come and lay down his life to bring redemption back to you. In that moment when he conceived you, he knew that it would cost him his son. And yet he created us such as his love for you and I. And he created us with such purpose and such value and such worth that he knew that we would be worthy of being redeemed. And so the man and the woman that he saw, you who he saw before the foundation of the world was laid with value and worth, Jesus Christ came to redeem you, that you would be once again walk in your value and your worth and he placed his spirit in your life, that he would mould you and shape you, that you could walk according to original value and original worth and original purpose. And then we get into this and, and here, and I don't even know how to break it down properly because Paul interweaves two amazing concepts. And I want to break them down and look at both of them. And the first concept, he says, 
I want to talk about this, this husband and wife covenant that we have and the relationship of the husband and wife because it is the closest thing that we can get to an understanding of our relationship with our heavenly father and us. It's the closest thing that we can understand, that I can talk about, Paul says, the closest understanding to actually be able to put it in words and ways that you will understand. And I know that to be the case because it says in verse 31, he says, For this reason a man will leave his father and a mother to be united to his wife, to be intimate, to form this amazing relationship, to be able to produce fruit and bear fruit. And then he says in verse 32, This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. He says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to the wife and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. You see, what Paul is saying is that there is such an intimacy that we can have with Jesus Christ himself. That he left the Father in heaven and descended to take up a bride to know us that we could become one flesh with him and his spirit could dwell within us. In John chapter 15, there is this amazing verse. In verse 21, it says, whoever, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. That's not the verse that I wanted to read. It's a good verse, sorry, nonetheless. Verse 20 is the one that I wanted to read. I'll start just before it. Because I live, you also will live. Verse 20. On that day, you will realize that I, this is Jesus speaking, that I am in my Father and you are in me, and I am in you. On that day, he says, you will realize that I am in my Father. Let's just pause for a moment. What does it mean that Jesus is in the Father? And it's really, really important that we understand this concept. What does it mean that Jesus is in the Father? It's talking about an intimacy, a relational oneness that he has with his Father. That the commonality, a common purpose, a oneness, this intimate relationship where they share everything of, that is of the other. Where Jesus so completely devotes himself to the Father and says, everything that I am is yours. And the Father says, well, everything that I am is yours. We've become one. And it's really important that we reflect and understand the truth of that statement that Christ is in the Father because the very next statement, it says, and you are in me. And so whatever the reality is, whatever the truth of Christ being in the Father is, the same truth is for you and I because we are in Christ and he is in us. There is a oneness, this intimacy he says in, in Ephesians chapter 5, he says, I left my father to be united with you. I left my father that I could become one flesh with you. I left my father in heaven that I could become, I could be one with you and you could be my bride. I left my father that I, we could produce fruit together, that I could be born in you and live in you and live through you and that your lives will be so productive and so fruitful because Christ in me. Do you understand that Jesus here desires you to know him? 
desires you to have an intimate relationship with him. Not just to read books about him. Not just to to know what other people have declared about him. But he wants you to commune with him and have an intimate relationship with him. When the doors are closed and no one else is looking. Where you just meet with him. That's his heart. And he says, I left my father in heaven to have that relationship with you. You see, Paul here in Ephesians chapter 5, he's saying our identity is intimately wrapped up in the knowledge of who Jesus is. And that word knowledge is a deep knowing, a deep intimacy, a deep oneness, a deep connectedness with Jesus. Our identity is intimately wrapped up with him. And he goes on and he talks about our identity and then he comes back to this point and he says, but Jesus, he came and he dwelt among us that you would know him so intimately. So draw into him, press into him, allow you to know him and him to know you because he's in you and you are in him just as the fa- he is in the Father. Amen. Like it's this amazing and I, I want you to get it. I want you to know The life of a Christian is not just about coming to church. The life of a Christian is not just saying the right things or doing the things that look right. The life of the Christian is knowing Christ and be fundamentally being transformed by who he is and who he declares that you are, that you can live a fruitful and productive life because you've become one flesh with him. And for that reason, he left the Father to come and live and dwell in you. I don't know how I can say it clearer. If I could, I would. But he so loves you and he wants you to be pressed into him. And it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. He desires that you will know him intimately, deeply, like a husband and a wife know one another. Like you don't go and get married just to coexist. You don't go and get married without a desire to connect deeply and bear fruit with one another and live intimate lives. You see, and Jesus says, I will come and I will dwell with you that we can have that relationship. I said that Paul was making two points here. That's the first one and that's the critical one. That's, that's the real key one that we understand that. But the second one that's found in this passage of Scripture is about, well, now that you know who you are, now that you understand the deep intimacy of Jesus Christ and you understand your identity that I've been sharing about, Paul says, I want to talk to you about how that plays out in the relationships that you have. I want to share with you and talk about what that looks like because if it's just a theory or just head knowledge that doesn't play out and bear fruit amongst your relationships, I want to say as Grant, do you really even know him and understand your identity? Have you been met with him? Because he will change you and transform you. And Paul says, I want to talk about what that looks like in your marriage life. And then he goes on and says, I want to look like what that looks like between parent and child, between slave and master, or we can contextualize that and talk about employer, employee, or those who have power and those who do not have power. He says, I want to talk to you about the relational aspect now that you know who you are and who Christ is in you. I want to talk about what that looks like and how you live that out with the neighbors around you, with with those who are involved in your life. And he starts with the wife. 
And he says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Now, unfortunately, as I said, it's been taken out of context. And so I want to start with husbands right now. And so I'm going to jump down a couple of verses because it's vital that we do this, that we understand. Because the greater responsibility in this passage is not the wives, it's actually the husbands. And unfortunately, we keep saying, wives, you need to submit. That means that whatever I say as a husband, Nat, you have to do. Because you must submit to me. But if we understand the context and the passage and everything that I've just declared, if that is my attitude, where is the fruit of Christ in my attitude? What's not seen, is it? And so Jesus says in verse, 45, in verse 25, he says, husbands, love your wives. And if that was just all he said, that would be enough. But he goes on and he says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of the water through the word and and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. How did Jesus love the church? Laid down his life died for her, went willingly to sacrifice himself. Not once, not once did Jesus make any decision for himself. He made every decision, every action that he did was for the blessing and the betterment of the other, for the blessing and the betterment of the church, for those who would come in. He says, Paul says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Lay down your life that you do not live for yourself any longer, but you live to present your wife, to lift your wife up, that your wife will be the best person that she can possibly be, that she will be lifted up, that she will be gathered up to be able to live up to the full potential that the Father created her to be, because that's what Jesus has done for you and I. So if, if I hear people say, oh, my wife's just not submitting, my first question is, how are you loving her? Are you loving her sacrificially? Are you laying down your life that her dreams and her desires can be fulfilled? Children, and I know there's, there's four, I see four children here. This is the reality of what the father wants in a marriage relationship. He wants the boys that are here. I want you to know that when you find your wife, the one that the father wants you to be with, your role is to lay down your life that she will be able to be blessed in everything. That you don't make decisions about your needs because quite frankly, if you're a Christian, you have died to yourself anyway that Christ can live in you, that you can lift her up and let her flourish to be the best that she can be. And girls, when you're looking for a husband, look for someone who's going to lay down his life for you, who's going to love you sacrificially, who's going to give of himself to you and not demand or take from you. Look to someone who knows Jesus Christ intimately, who's prepared to lay down their life for you, that you will flourish in life. Now I come to the wives, and it says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. I want to say, not being a wife ever, but I would assume that as a wife, It's very easy to submit to a man who's going to sacrifice himself like that. 
that you'd want to submit to that. And in fact, this word submit can actually be translated as respect. Respect the man that you've married and lift him up and bless him and speak life and encouragement to him. Just as you are thankful to the Lord, just as you respect the Lord and give of yourself unto the Lord, so give of yourself unto your husband. You see how the two, he's uniting them and he's saying, now that you know your identity, how it's selfish and the Father's created you to be unique and a blessed one. Allow that reality to mesh into the relationship that you have, which is the closest thing that Paul can describe between the relationship between the Father and us. He says, give of yourself to one another that each of the other shall be blessed. That's the way that relationship's to live, to work. That's God's desire. And maybe your relationship isn't like that. Maybe you don't see that. This is not a condemning word. Please don't hear that. But this is the opportunity to make a change. This is the opportunity to say, Father, I just thank you that you've created me for more and I thank you that you allow me to become love in this situation. In Ephesians chapter uh, chapter 3, sorry, in verse... uh, Verses 18 through 19, Jesus or Paul says, he says, I pray that you will understand the vastness of the love of the father, which is beyond comprehension. He says, I pray that you will grasp the love of the father. That word grasp can be translated infused. I pray that you'll be infused with the love of the Father, that the love of the Father will be so infused in you that you will become it despite the fact that you cannot even understand it. Despite the fact that it blows your mind, I pray that you'll become love. 1 John says, may I pray that the love of God will be complete in you. The call is for us as the children of the living God, as the sons and daughters of God himself, that we will be infused with, that we will have the love of God complete in us so that in every relational aspect, the love will flow from us to the other. God has made it up, made us from the very beginning to be receptacles of love. To receive the love of the Father. But because of broken relationship and because of sin... We have gone chasing love everywhere else. We have gone chasing love and so we wake up every morning hoping that our spouse or our children will love us in a way that makes us feel better. The Father desires that his love will be made complete in you so that every day you don't wake up to see who's going to meet your love need Because you've already met with the Father in heaven and he has met that love need in you. So you get to wake up every day, not asking who's going to meet my needs, not asking who's going to love me this day, but waking up saying, Father, I thank you that I am love, that this is another day that I get to become love. This is another day that I get to show the love of the Father in me and through me, that I can bless everyone. I wake up this day expecting nothing from no one because you have filled me with your love. That's the desire, that's what Paul is talking about, that we can offer ourselves to husband and wife expecting nothing in return. When I made my vows to my beautiful wife, I didn't make vows to say, I'll love you and keep you as long as you do this for me. I said, Natalie, I will love you and I will bless you 
for as long as I shall live. That's a vow with no conditions attached. And she made the same to me. If she, if I break, if she breaks her vow to me, I should be able to stand and remain true to the vow that I've made to her because the love of the Father's in me and I expect nothing from her. This is a love, like I said in Ephesians chapter four, uh, chapter 3. Cannot comprehend it, cannot understand it, but Paul says, I pray that you'll become it. Because imagine a world where, where the Christians who are intimately involved and connected with Christ live a life where it translates into every relationship and every aspect of their marriage with children, with their employees and employers, with everyone they come across who Jesus calls our neighbour. I'll quickly move on, very quickly. The next part, I'm moving on for my children here. This is just for you. No. <laughs> it says, the next part, children obey your parents in the Lord. I could probably just leave it there and close out, but I won't because there's more. It says, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. And again, we can take this out of context as parents and say, children, you must obey me. But again, I ask, where is the, me coming from my identity and from the position of love in that attitude? Because my goal as a parent is to understand that these beautiful children of mine are the Lord's children and I have the, the privilege to raise them and disciple them unto him. That's the role as a parent, is it not? And so children, obey the parents because their goal and their desire is that you will know Christ, that you will rise up in Christ, that you will become everything that you can in Jesus Christ. Now sometimes, sometimes we may get it wrong. Not you, but I'm probably talking more about myself. We may get it wrong as parents. But our desire and our goal is for you to be raised up in the way of Jesus Christ, to know him in a greater capacity. And it says, Paul says, Obey your children in the Lord, for this is what right. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. It's the first commandment with a promise that if you obey your parents whose desire it is that you'll raise up and walk in the image and the likeness of Jesus Christ, if you obey them, it'll be a blessing unto you. And then it goes on and says, Fathers, don't exacerbate your children. Don't come harsh. Don't be too harsh with them. But instead, bring them up in the training and in the instruction of the Lord. Because the desire is that you will know Jesus Christ. The desire is that you'll become everything that you can be in his name and who he created you to be. That you'll rise up to bring glory to the Father and to know Jesus intimately. That's, he says... And I'm not going to move on into slaves and masters, but, but understand and read it if you have time. It's talking about the power imbalance and we can talk about employee, employer or, or however leaders in, in certain places and those who are followers ensure that this aspect of your identity will flow out into those relationships too because he's created you to be a blessing in every and any circumstance. That's what he's created us to do. The goal of the Christian is not to attend church. The goal of the Christian is, and I'm going to say it, I might get in trouble here, the goal of the Christian is not even just to go to heaven. 
But it's to bring heaven and the kingdom of God to earth, to be molded and shaped in his image that everyone around us will be blessed and the Father in heaven shall be glorified through Jesus Christ. Because Jesus says, I come that you may know the Father. And he dies, desires that we have this intimate relationship, intimate knowledge with him, that we spend time with him. Because that's how we're transformed in his image. That's how his fruit can flow in us. That's how we become one flesh and represent him and the kingdom of God as as ambassadors of the kingdom in this world. I pray that that's a blessing. I pray that that you take it as Paul understands it and and as Paul writes it, that you'll be blessed, that you'll draw into Christ to know Christ and allow the fruitfulness of that relationship with Christ to flow over into every relationship of your life. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you. I thank you such as your love for us that you would allow Jesus to come and lay down his life. That you would allow your spirit to dwell within us and that you desire to commune with us, to know us, to become one flesh with us. I thank you that that just as Christ is in the Father and has a deep intimate relationship with you, Father, I thank you that we can have that same relationship with Christ because he is in us and we are in him. And therefore we find ourselves in you, Father. I thank you that we are so connected with you, so being made one with you, Lord Jesus, that in everything you've allowed us to flourish in this life. Lord Jesus, that doesn't mean that life is going to be easy, but what it means is that in everything we can live with the knowledge that you are in us and for us, and that in every situation we can respond as you would respond as love. Infuse us, Lord Jesus, with the love of Christ. May your love be complete in us, that every person that we encounter this week shall be blessed because we are there. Not because of us, but because it's Christ that liveth in us. And it's Christ that floweth through us and blesses them. Father, I just proclaim your glory. I proclaim your goodness. I proclaim your blessing upon everyone here this morning. Bless them. Meet with them. Commune with them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And I just want you to know that you're blessed by the Father in heaven. He desires to commune with you and for you to know him deeply and intimately. So as you go this day, be blessed because he resides in you.